before I get into the what I want to say, I saw this um, humorous story about a man who was trying to illustrate how that we're slaves to sin. And he said this, he said, a pothead walks into an appliance store and asks the owner, how much for that TV set in the window? The owner looks at the TV set, then looks at the stoned man and says, I don't sell anything to potheads. So the pothead tells the owner that he'll quit smoking pot and will come back the next week to buy the TV. A week later, the guy comes back and says, I quit smoking pot. Now, how much for that TV set in the window? And the owner says, I told you I don't sell to potheads. So he leaves again. He comes back a month later and says, how much for that TV? The owner says, I'm not going to tell you again. I don't sell to potheads. The pothead looks back at the owner and says, how can you tell I'm a pothead? The owner looks back and says, because that's a microwave. So that's what sin does to us. It blinds us. We can't see what's going on. We think it's one thing and it's something else. You know, Mark Twain tells a humorous story. And, you know, Mark Twain, for those of you who don't know him, is a, is a famous American author, humorist, and um, very well known throughout the world, really. And he tells a story about a man who came to him and says he had memorized the Ten Commandments. And he said his great ambitious ambition was to go to the Holy Land, Holy Land and stand on Mount Sinai and repeat the Ten Commandments out loud. And Mark Twain said to him, have you ever thought about just staying at home and keeping them? And that's what we need to do. We need to keep them rather than thinking we're going to shout them out to prove how much we know. And I mentioned all this because I've been thinking about how often the scriptures instruct us or command us in some form or another to be careful, to be very careful, to be on the alert, to guard yourselves, to be very vigilant to observe and to do, to keep watch and all kinds of variations on these cautions from the Lord. And these words don't just come from one part of scripture. They're found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what you would expect because God doesn't change. One example is found in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. Remember that Moses is speaking to all the people of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land after wandering for 40 years. And many years earlier, they'd been on the verge of going into the promised land, but they let their physical sight overrule over what God had told them. God had told them that he would be with them but instead they sent out spies to see what the land looked like and they became afraid. They were afraid of what they saw and what they saw were walled cities and people that seemed to be much larger and stronger than they saw themselves. And consequently they forgot God who had just delivered them from slavery in Egypt. 
from a people much stronger than those they were getting ready to face then. And because they refused to trust God, a few days of travel into the land became 40 years of wilderness wandering until all the adults who had doubted God died. Now Moses is addressing a different Israel now than they were 40 years earlier. Before, they were an untrained people who had been slaves for many years. They were confused. They had no, very little direction. And now, after 40 years, they were a seasoned and battle ready. They were a formidable army. But even with this, even with their toughness now, they had to be instructed. They had to be warned and reminded that it was the Lord who would go before them and be their strength. They must obey the Lord. Deuteronomy 4, the first two verses read like this. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Verse 2 is real similar to the, to the verse in Revelation 22. And what you see in Revelation 22, it says that, let me get to it. Verses 18 and 19 say, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. So don't add, and you don't take away from the word of God. We're not authorized to edit what God says and make it more palatable more agreeable to what we like. And why does he say this? He says, because the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. This is what he says, if we go back to the book of Deuteronomy, back to that fourth chapter and look in verses 23 and 24, where he says, so watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and make for yourself a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So not only are we not to add to anything to the word or take anything away from the word, we're not forget to forget what God says. And why? He says, because he's a consuming fire. And he repeats this in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in verse, excuse me, in chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews, he says, therefore, 
since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. What does it mean to say God's a consuming fire? It means God is a God of holiness. And he guards jealously, zealously his holiness. And it being a consuming fire means there is great danger in offending the holiness of God. It's great danger in changing his word. It's great danger in editing it to suit ourselves. He's a consuming fire. He burns up everything that tries to encroach on his holiness. He says, watch yourselves carefully. And you see that same thing in the New Testament where he says, watch yourself, be careful. Deuteronomy 4, 41, 23. It says, watch yourselves. Don't forget the covenant God made with you. And don't make a graven image. Don't make an idol. God's holy. He's going to zealously guard his righteousness. And as Hebrews says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. No idols, accepted worship, acceptable worship. Our God is a consuming fire. At Mount Sinai, not only did God, or not only did Israel worship a golden calf, they said, this is your God, Israel. This is Yahweh. So not only did they worship an idol, but they called the idol by God's holy name. They said, this is Yahweh. God came close to destroying Israel because of that. Because Moses intervened, he did it. So the Lord says, watch yourselves. He says, what's acceptable worship? So what is it? It's not the old versus the new, because we can do good and we can find good and we can find bad in, the, in both old and current worship. It's God honoring worship versus irreverence. The important thing is to take God and his holiness seriously, that we glorify him and hear his word. In First Chronicles 22, 11 through 13, let me get to that. Let me read those three verses to you. That's, again, that's First Chronicles 22, 11 through 13. It says, now my son, and this is David talking to Solomon. Now my son, the Lord be with you that you may be successful and build the house of the Lord, your God, just as he has spoken concerning you. Only the Lord give you discretion and understanding and give you charge over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord, your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the ordinances, if you're careful. 
which the Lord commanded Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed. You will prosper if you're careful. You will prosper if you observe the statute. You will prosper if you look and obey the rules that God has commanded Moses for Israel. And it's not only Solomon who has to be careful to obey the Lord. Moses tells the people in Deuteronomy, back again to Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy 6, in Deuteronomy, where am I? 6, verses 24 and 25. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded you. It will be righteousness for us if we're careful to observe the commandments. What's he talking about? Do we get, are we righteous because we obey the law? That's not what he's saying. That's not what Paul said. And it's not really what he's saying here. He's saying that if we are, or since we are righteous and we're righteous because God said we're righteous, here he says you're righteous because you believe me. You believe what's coming. You believe what I say now. If you are righteous, and we are because of Jesus now, then we show our righteousness by obeying him. Obeying him doesn't make us righteous. Only the blood of Jesus makes us righteous. But we show the righteousness that's been given to us by obeying him. Deuteronomy 8.1 says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord your God gave your fathers. And what's God promised to give us today? He hasn't promised to give us a few miles, a few plots of land in the Middle East. He's promised to give us an entirely different land, not just a piece of land there. He's promised us a new heaven and a new earth. He's promised us a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. That's what he's promised his people today. According to Revelation 21, 27, nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it the new Jerusalem, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 16, 15 says, blessed is the one who stays awake, who stays alert, who remains clothed. He says that if you're not, you're naked. And he's talking about being spiritually naked. He says the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. He says, be prepared. Be watchful. Stay on the alert. Begin to see how this is everywhere through Scripture constantly. If we go back to Chronicles, only Second Chronicles this time, and Second Chronicles 19, 
what we see is Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, one of the good kings that uh, Judah had, a few good ones, many bad ones, but one of the good ones was Jehoshaphat. And he's echoing the call for God's people to consider what to do and to be watchful. He says in verses five through seven that Jehoshaphat, he appointed judges in the land in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. He said to the judges, come consider what you are doing for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render the judgment. Now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you and be very careful what you do for the Lord our God will not or will have no part in unrighteousness or, in, or partiality or the taking of a bribe. This was the, the, the admonition to the judges in Israel from a godly king in Judah. Can you imagine if every judge in this country had to have this in front of his bench when he was ruling? Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. For the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. Be very careful what you do for there's no injustice in our God. Then we've got the admonition of the Lord in Mark 13. chapter begins with Jesus and his disciples leaving the temple. And one of them comments on how wonderful and how marvelous or how awesome the temple looked. And if you could ever have seen the temple, you would have known what he meant because some of the stones were monstrous. I mean, 30 feet long and the weight was how they ever put it in place. I, I can't imagine a lot of slave labor but it was considered one of the wonders, one of the man-made wonders of the ancient world. So Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple and the disciples are marveling at the temple. And Jesus says, it's all coming to ruin. And they want the details of what and when. And then Jesus speaks about events that seem to refer to the coming of the destruction of the temple and then further into the future of the events coming after that. He speaks of great calamities, of wars, of betrayals, even in families, of false Christ, of tumultuous events in the heavens. And then Jesus tells them in Mark 13, verses 33 through 37, he says this, take heed, be on the alert for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man going away on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task. 
also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in cases, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. You get the refrain over and over in scripture. Take heed. Be warned. Keep on the alert. Don't fall asleep. The great day is not being, I mean, the great danger is not being ready. It's not paying attention to what the Lord says. It's taking his words lightly. The call is to stay awake. Jesus tells us not to be anxious about our life, what we will eat or drink or wear, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us in Matthew 6. And all these admonitions, all these warnings are repeated in different ways. Why? Because we're dull of hearing. We have to be told over and over because we keep forgetting over and over. Jesus says when he comes, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. He says this in Matthew 24. He says it again in Luke 17. The days of Noah. What were the days of Noah like? It says before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage right up until the day the flood came. In other words, their focus was on themselves and their everyday, everyday activities. Their physical needs and pleasures were their focus. And he says, before I come again, that's going to be the way it is. People will be looking after themselves. And then it says, they were looking after all their focus on all their focus was on all these things and they all perished. They'd had a hundred years to listen to Noah and they refused. He says it was the same in the days of Lot. They were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planning and building until Lot and his family were led out of Sodom and fire and sulfur came down from heaven and destroyed them all. So in the days of Noah, people were going about their business, looking after themselves, their physical needs and delights. In the same way in the days of Lot, paying no attention to the word of the Lord, no attention to their spiritual needs and lacks but just what they wanted, the lust of the flesh. You know, Lot's story is not very attractive. There's a compromised man of faith, a self-centered wife, two incestuous daughters, sons-in-laws, and a city, city full of violence and perversion. The first perfect setting for a tragedy. That's what you've got. And the family so entrenched in the life of the city 
and what they've got there that they have to be forced by the two angels to leave. They're told to leave. They're reluctant. The angel has to force them to get out because God has said he's going to save Lot. They're told to hurry and not look back to escape to the hills. And this, however, is too much for Lot's wife. Her attachment and desire for the things of Sodom caused her to look back. And scripture tells us she was turned into a pillar of salt. At least one major purpose is served by this one verse about Lot's wife looking back and being turned into a pillar of salt in Genesis. It shows what happens to those who identify themselves with the objects of God's wrath. So if it's hated, if it's an abomination to God, and that's what we identify with, we can expect destruction. Instead of being careful, instead of being alert, instead of honoring what God says, we pander to our own selfish needs, then destruction follows. So why did Lot's wife disobey and look back? Well, her husband Lot was a judge in the city. He was an extremely wealthy man. Everything they owned was getting ready to be destroyed, except their lives. But she valued what was in Sodom and the lifestyle she had more than she valued the salvation that was offered by God. Everything was going up. Her temptations were so great. Remember, it was so awful about Lot's wife that Jesus told his disciples, remember Lot's wife. Pay attention to what caused her to go the way she did. She was an example in Israel of one who faced with the tragedy or with the reality that life and luxury were slipping away, clung tightly to what the world offered and thus rejected the salvation of God. Jesus didn't want his disciples to fall for worldly temptations. They had to be alert. They had to be vigilant. Because of our sinful nature, all of us need to be aware of the snares that are always waiting to pull all of us off of course, off the course of being faithful. First John 2, 15, 16 is a familiar verse. And it reads, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, or the pride in possession is not what the Father, not from the Father, but is from the world. And no one's immune from these temptations. And that's why the admonition over and over again, keep watch, be faithful. 
there's a story about Fanny Crosby, and um, a lot of you will be familiar with her. She was an American uh, mission worker. She was a, a poet. She was a lyricist, a composer, a lifelong Methodist, and one of the most prolific hymn writers in history. She wrote over 8,000 hymns and gospel songs with over 100 million copies printed. And this was in spite of her being blind shortly after birth. Crosby is also known for her preaching, her teaching, and her rescue mission work. By the end of the 19th century, almost everyone in the U.S. knew about Fanny Crosby. She was known as the queen of gospel songwriters, and some of her best songs are Blessed Assurance, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Jesus is Tenderly Calling You Home, Praise Him, Praise Him, Rescue the Perishing, and to God be the glory. And because some publishers were hesitant to have so many hymns by one person in their hymnals, she used a number of different fake names to get past that. She once said, before 1840, my friends had nearly spoiled me with their praises. At least I began to feel my own importance as a poet a little too much. So the superintendent, Mr. Jones, thought something ought to be done to curb such rising vanity. One morning after breakfast, I was summoned to, his, to the office. It was an impressive occasion, and I remember what Mr. Jones said almost word for word. Fanny, I am sorry you have allowed yourself to be carried away by what others have said about your verses. True, you have written a number of poems of real merit, but how far do you, uh, how far do they fall short of the standard that you might attain? Shun a flatterer, Fanny, as you would a viper, for no true friend would deceive you with the words of flattery. We ought to remember that all of us, haven't we? Remember that whatever talent you possess belongs wholly to God. You ought to give him the credit for all that you do. Then the dear man said to me, Fanny, have I wounded your feelings? Something within me bore witness that Mr. Jones spoke the truth. So I answered, no, sir. On the contrary, you have talked to me like a father, and I thank you very much for it. And years afterwards, I gradually came to realize that his advice was worth more than the price of rubies. It's good to be reminded of certain things in life for all of us. It's good to be reminded to stay humble and remember that every good gift comes from above and not from us. That God's the author of good or not. To him be the glory, says 1 Corinthians 10. Paul warned the elders of the church in Ephesus about the critical need for them to be vigilant. He told them, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. And this wasn't just, this warning wasn't just for the church in Ephesus. It's a warning that's necessary to every church in every age. The book of Luke in the 12th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Speaking of Jesus, it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist, consist of his possessions. <clears throat> and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my gain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods, many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you and none of you will own what you have prepared. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. A man of immense wealth invests a portion of his money and increased his worth even more. Then just as he was getting ready to enjoy his great prosperity, he suddenly and unexpectedly dies. Jesus told the parable to warn against covetousness, against greed. And greed hides itself so easily from all of us. We can mask it with virtue and good reasoning, but it's still greed. At first, when you read this parable, you agree with Jesus and say, the man was crazy. He was greedy. And Jesus was right in calling him a fool because he made plans to live luxuriously without any provision for dying. Most of us don't read that parable and say, you know, that describes me. But it probably describes a lot more of us than we want to admit sometimes. The man was hardworking and he was successful. He hadn't made his money by taking advantage of people and his profit was not unlawful. He hadn't been lazy. He'd done well for himself and his family. It was almost like the American dream come true. And notice what Jesus said to his listeners, take care, be on your guard. And what should put us on guard? Covetousness. 
the actual Greek word that Jesus uses for this sin means a greedy desire for more. Jesus was saying it can sneak up on you. It can be there when you don't even know it. And how do you know this man was greedy and not just making wise business decisions? Because true greed misinterprets what life is all about. Jesus, in the beginning of the parable, he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Greed says that life is about having more. Covetousness says life is about is about having all you can get. Greed always wants more. In the opening scene, the guy's already wealthy, but he wasn't satisfied. He already had many barns, the word's plural, but they weren't enough. He wanted more. Greed always wants more. It's insatiable. If you remember years and years ago, there was a political revolution in the Philippines and Ferdinand Marcos, the uh, dictator was driven from power, he and his wife. And he and his wife Imelda fled the country. She left behind 1200 pairs of shoes and 21 pairs of sunglasses. The truth is that she would not have stopped at 2000 pair of shoes or 200 pairs of sunglasses because enough is never enough. Greed fails to see the true source of our possessions. The wealthy landowner considering himself to be a self-made man. Six times in speaking to himself, he uses the word or the pronoun I. He also spoke of my crops and my barns and my grain and my goods. He did not, just like we don't so often, see ourselves as the steward of God, a caretaker for what he's given us. We see ourselves as the owner. God told Israel in Exodus 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people Remember and do not forget that you provoked the Lord to wrath in the wilderness. Things haven't changed. Lastly, in Titus, to show that things haven't changed, Titus 3, 1 through 8 reads, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were foolish ourselves. We were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, 
not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of generation and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful, will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable by men. So he did not give Israel the land because they were such wonderful people, but because of the promises of God. And he didn't give us salvation because we're so righteous and so much wonderful than anybody else, but because of grace. Jesus teaches that sin doesn't originate out of ourselves or apart from ourselves. The dwelling place of sin is the human heart. Martin Luther saw this. He said, I'm more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope and all his cardinals. The only way to make the stream pure is to purify the fountain. And the only way to do to deal with sin is by having our hearts engaged. And that's what the gospel does. God doesn't call us to just stop sinning he causes or calls us to be transformed from within that's the new birth and because sin is not eradicated until we're with jesus the call is to be very careful to be vigilant to be on the alert to be on guard let's pray Lord, I would ask that these words would resound in my heart day after day. That I would not be slothful, that I would not think I'm earning things of myself, but to be on the work, to be very careful, to observe all that you say, and to love it and to do it. And I pray that not for myself only, but for all of us, Lord, to keep watch, to know these things, and not to be caught asleep when you come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing with me.
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy. let us comprehend that to see you means that we see all of your ways. We see all of your instructions to us. We see all your warnings and all of your wisdom and your counsel. Or we see these things and not only when we see you do we see your warnings, we embrace them. We embrace these calls to be alert, 
to be careful, be vigilant, to watch out, to remember. Lord, it's like the call to do not fear. It, it's just repeated frequently that we might not forget. But I pray that how you instructed to live, how you've instructed us to believe. Lord, you even instruct our emotions. You tell us when we should weep. You tell us when we should rejoice. You tell us that we should love always. You even tell us, Lord, that we can be angry and yet not sin. So, Lord, your ways are perfect and they're just. And they are good for us. So let us, let us hear what has been shared this morning. Let us receive it, Lord. Let us be reminded. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your such careful fatherhood in our lives to teach us how to live. Thank you, Lord, for your great concern over us and your great patience with us. Thank you, Lord God. There may be an, another prayer of response or a comment from anyone um, about what you've heard this morning. So let's open up a time for that. You know, I was thinking, Greg, um, the verse about God is a consuming fire. And uh, a lot of you know that we have this place out in our backyard where I've got some logs cut up and I've made it into a circle and we always burn things in there, a lot of limbs and things that come off the trees. But, you know, when you have that fire going, you're careful around it. You don't you don't act nonchalant around the fire. <laughs> you You pay attention to where the fire is. And you always know where it's going and what it's doing. Uh, because if you're careless around a fire, you know what's going to happen. You're, you're going to get consumed. You're going to get burnt. It's going to be painful. And so when you're around a fire, uh, you know that you need to be careful and watch out for things. And God's reminding us when he says he's a consuming fire that we need to understand his ways. And, uh, and what pleases him and what angers him. And not that he's capricious or any way, because he's told us, he's let us know what these things are. So um, it's, it's always helpful to know and be awakened from your stupor sometimes uh, to pay attention to what God says. Anyway, I, I was thinking about our, our fire out here, our campfire, and you got a little, a little children, and sometimes the children may be a little less careful than the adults. And so you have to be, on the watch for them. And so, you know, as a church, we watch out for each other in that same way. Um, if we see something that looks like uh, somebody's being careless with the Lord, uh, we need to speak up for that in love, of course. But anyway, any other thoughts or comments? Greg, I just want to thank you for your message. It, it reminds me, I mean, the God 
that you described that we see in the Old Testament, as Bill said, the consuming fire, God has not changed. It's the same God yesterday as it as it is today, and we need to remember that. We need to to hold that in the forefront of our minds as we walk our walk so that we do not get burned. It can be taken as a call to repentance if you know you've been careless. An encouragement to uh, walk close with the Lord and not get stranded somewhere, you know. So, any other thoughts or before we go to Mary? Greg, I wanted to thank you as well. I um, I think sometimes it's easy to, to say, okay, I just need to be really careful about how I hold on to the things of the world. But, you know, I, I was directed to a scripture in uh, 1 Timothy 6. Um, you know, even, and it says that even religion or godliness, that there are men that suppose that it's a way for great gain. Um, but then Paul turns around in the next verse and says that, that actually godliness is a way to gain when it's coupled with contentment. And I think what you were saying about covetousness is really we need to be very watchful and alert to, to let the, the Spirit of God deal with us when we are coveting because um, there's always this place of um, needing to be content with the place God has you in and, and the circumstances that he has you and realizing that there are teachable moments in those circumstances that he's allowed. So I really appreciate um, what you had to share this morning. And I, I think about the warnings in regard to uh, why the warnings came. It's because of the great love that God has for us. You know, when, when we have children and we're working with children, there are a lot of warnings we give. Don't touch the stove. You'll get burned. Watch both ways when you cross the street because cars are bigger than you are and they'll run over you. It's not that we're trying to saddle them with all of these kind of rules and warnings and all it's because we love them and we know what could happen without issuing those kinds of words and warnings and it's one thing to sit in the house and say well look both ways and another thing when you're right out there at the street and um and a car is zooming uh, right around the corner and i i think that that's the great love of God that he says these things to us watch be careful be alert um, because he doesn't want anything to separate us from the great love that he has for us you know there's more than one place in the Old Testament where God says to Israel why will you die O Israel it's like he's astonished that they are so lax with obeying him and that it's going to cause ultimate destruction and he's just uh, flabbergasted that they just won't listen uh, so that i don't want that to describe me
Hey, Eva. <laughs> I always, I just wanted to add one more thing. Thank you, Greg. I always appreciate your very deep commitment to the scriptures and you always hold very careful in your preparation to that. And that is very, such a strength to us as a fellowship. Um, when I think about the commands of God and the warnings he gives, I often think about parents who put a, you know, a fenced in backyard behind their house. You know, the fence provides safe boundaries, but within those boundaries, there's a lot of freedom and, and there's a lot of, uh, enjoyment. You know, you, if, if there's a fenced in backyard and your child says, well, mom, should I, should I play on the trampoline or should I go over there and, and do the swing? And you can say, well, honey, as long as you stay within the boundaries, you know, you can, you can choose which one you want to do. You know, so God's commandments, you know, are, um, you know, they are boundaries. Those boundaries create safe places, you know, for us to, to walk with God, to enjoy, to walk with others, you know, so it's not like a tightrope, you know, one false move and you're out. It's like a broad place. The Bible says the boundaries fall for me in pleasant places. And that always helps me because when I was growing up in a very strict um, you know, church environment, I really was so afraid that one mistake and I was out. And that's not the nature and character of God. It's not a tightrope. It is a fenced in backyard that creates safe boundaries for us to walk in. And the boundaries are our principles that are given to us throughout the scriptures. And um, so I, and that tells us, be careful how you live. Don't go, don't go past the boundaries. Um, live within the safety of what I've told you to do. And I, anyway, I thought I would share that because that picture in my mind helps me a lot um, to, to, in, to embrace the boundaries and be grateful for them, but to know that actually those boundaries provide great freedom. I remember when I think I was probably about six years old and myself and one or two other guys, maybe a year or two older than I was, uh, we, we were in a field not far from where I live, and we decided to build a nice little fire. Well, it was so nice that the fire department ended up coming, and um, we, we didn't observe the boundaries, and we weren't afraid of fire. But I was more afraid afterwards because my father was not amused. <laughs> you have to be careful. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Well, I would like to share a little bit about what happened yesterday because we had asked you all to pray and uh, we really, really appreciate your prayers. We had five different projects. Uh, one team went up to Grace's house. I think Grace is maybe still on. Um, but there was a before and after picture that we saw last night of what that team did in her yard. It was pretty amazing. Tim and Lisa led that team. Then we had another team in Archer's Lodge. That team had, I don't know, about 17, 18 people. And uh, they, they also ministered to a family that there was a 112 year old tree and a big old limb fell and crushed a car. and then the tree had to be taken down and, and those, those kids and adults went in there in an afternoon and, and transformed that family's property. 
and then um, Penny led the team up in um, in Wake Forest that worked making packages for 60 foster college kids. And uh, some of you contributed toward that project. Um, 60 and then eight um, were made for Crosswave kids. That was an amazing time to be able to minister to. The foster kids are not orphans, but probably one of the closest to orphans that, that, we, that we have. Um, so it was really like um, pure and undefiled religion is to minister to the widows and the orphans. Then we had the prayer team that Bill and Julie were part of that were praying in downtown Raleigh specifically for the governor, the lieutenant governor and the legislature. And they took the names of all of our House and Senate members in the North Carolina legislature, divided it up among the prayer team. I think y'all had what, 28 names each, is that right? Yeah. On your lists and they, they prayed individually by name for every one of our House and Senate members in the state of North Carolina yesterday. Then we had the team here in Cary that went to the home of um, a man, Abdul Krem and his wife, Nadia, and their daughter, Jihan. And one thing I would point out, Sean and Yan, Yan and Sean and Lucy, you all sat at their table at the banquet in 2019. I don't think you knew that, but it was that family that had had the car accident. And uh, Merle and Amy were also at the table with you all. So we had relationship with that family. They had uh, the car, serious car accident in July and he had not worked for five months. And now he's able to work just a, um, part-time because they sustained back, neck, and head injuries. It was, it was really serious. Total lost the car. Anyway, um, many of you brought over groceries and money to buy additional groceries for that family. And I, I, I just want to, I want to tell you a couple of things. When I had corresponded with him and talked to him, he gave me a, a list that I sent out to the church. And so I told him that there were going to be some kids and we were going to bring the food. So his anticipation was that we're, we were going to bring one little box of food and, and we were going to have, you know, several kids because I didn't tell him how many were coming. And so that he was grateful and he kept every time he, he communicates, he always, thank you. Thank you. And um, so Anyway, we had 17 people that showed up and um, with big, we had three big boxes of food and, and four, I think four other um, bat or three big and, and five other boxes and bags of food, I mean, stuffed to the, to the brim. So here all these nine cars roll in and all these people start getting out of the cars, hauling in boxes. And, um, and Durham's, your, your son was one of the ones carrying boxes and, uh, it, and, and they, were, they were just totally blown away. Mm. And um, 
the things that that they said, Nadia's English is not as good as um, Abdul Kram's, and but she said, "We're here in this country, all alone. We have no family, and we feel like today we have family." So we were able to, through kindness, you know, the word says it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance and the kindness of extending food to people who have, who have need and are struggling. And that's one level of need, but their greater need was to see that they were not forgotten, that God had not forgotten them, that there were people of faith that cared enough to come to them. And so um, we had also made these blankets, the, the kind that you tie the knots that the kids had made. And, um, and so we gave them a blanket and we had made it out of crosswave colors, the red and blue. Well, as it turns out that we didn't know, but God knew their little girl, 11 year old little girl, her favorite color colors are red and blue. And this little girl has, they told us yesterday, been traumatized by the accident. So every time she gets in a car, she's afraid. She hears brakes, she's afraid. She hears a horn, she's afraid. And, and I just thought it was so precious of the Lord to give her something tangible that was a comfort thing that at least initially she'll be able to hold on to that and the love with which it was given. Um, one thing I would like to, to do is read, last night he sent a thank you note and he said, thank you very much from all our family to you and everyone helped you today and about everything you did and do for us. Everything was good and we felt that our family visited us today. Mm -hmm. So I, I, wanna, I wanna thank you all for again, your prayers for all the outreaches Thank you for your finances, your food, um, and your hearts of love that was sown into to all of these families that we had opportunity to touch yesterday. Even though we didn't all physically go and cut down trees and haul logs and um, put boxes of food together and tie knots in blankets or uh, make big brush piles, it, we, we were as a family the family of faith involved in touching those lives and then the many lives that hopefully will be touched through that. So every chocolate bar, Jan, <laughs> every egg, Galena, every can of food, you know, that, that a number of y'all brought and gave, it matters. Those things matter to real people that live around us. So thank you. Um, a couple of other things. We don't in the fellowship have any birthdays this week, but there are some friends of ours that I would let you know if any of you, you know, want to reach out to them. Amy Mangum and Elliot Etheridge have a birthday on Friday and Amanda Carnell on Saturday. And then we have prayer meeting Wednesday night. We have a shower for Amanda this afternoon that Julie will maybe tell us about in a minute. Um, remember Carla and Richard, we saw them last night on the Zoom call there in Arizona, but this week they go to be with Paul and Adriana and Alba. 
uh, and that, that they definitely are requesting prayers. Um, Martha and, and I, many of you know, have a sister named Sarah. This week she fell, was in the hospital, and now she's having to be at a nursing home. The hope is that she will be there two weeks if she can walk again and then be able to go home. So the next two weeks are going to be real critical, two to four weeks in her destination. Um, then Eva has something. Uh, she's getting ready to take a step. Can you tell us about your mom and then what you're going to do? And Phoebe, are you, is Phoebe still, she, yeah, she's there. yeah there's Phoebe. Uh, after um, well, maybe now, Phoebe, could you, could you share with them what you shared with me? Uh, you mean Andre told me? Uh, yeah, last night, uh, Eric, uh, he, he was afraid to sleep alone. And uh, Andre told him that uh, <clears throat> he, he is not alone because God is always with him. So he is safe to, to be alone anytime yeah and i love the way that you said it that god was always with him couldn't see god yeah so, he's training for children in the ways of the yeah. lord <laughs> yeah thanks to the lord that uh, yeah keep uh uh andre uh i uh i'm so thankful that uh, andre he is um so close to God, and he likes to read Bible, and uh, he likes it. And uh, we uh, we read uh, uh, we read Bible uh, almost every day before before go to bed. And, uh, yeah, it's a blessing that he is. Um, I think he is more close to God than me. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm so thankful. You'll be an encouragement to you too, Phoebe, you and Dwight. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, okay, maybe uh, when he was in my belly and uh, I uh, have Bible study and uh, and uh, lunch party with Mary and, and uh, maybe at that time he can listen and to the bibles and so he is so he likes it very much and then he keep the bible in his desk and wow. yeah <laughs> yeah and then he in his uh yeah you he, he, he use the app and uh, to read it yeah also and uh, and then he feels that god is with him so yeah he encouraged me to read more yeah <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I'm so thankful. Amen. You might That's encourage some other people on the call. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And Eva, you want to tell us about your mom and then what's getting ready to happen? Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and uh, I would like also thank you, uh, Greg, for today, for your speech. That was really touching, <laughs> beautiful, and uh, very wise. <laughs> and uh, about my mom, when I told her that you, you all, that we all together praying, for, but, but uh, that's not only 
that was my request to pray, but also you wanted to pray for my mom. When she heard that, she was so touched. And I think that gave her a lot of strength and, and belief. And uh, I want to thank you. And she also wants me to thank you for that, <laughs> that you care about her in a difficult for her time. Now she she's at home and my niece is with her. She's only seven years old, but she she act like very adult person and she tell that I take care about you, grandmother. <laughs> and um, that was very difficult for me decision if to go to Poland or no, because I know that uh, it's a big restriction for me to um, to come back. But uh, yesterday we uh, we bought I, I bought tickets to Poland and this Wednesday I uh, I'm going to Poland and uh, yeah that will be for two months. I find that was a very difficult decision because uh, I didn't want to stuck in a middle in a, some another country like they. Um, and I couldn't find uh, accurate ticket, but yesterday I saw, I find the ticket like is directly from here, from Chicago to Warsaw in Poland. And this way, I think that will be, I hope, <laughs> I hope that this way go well. I didn't stuck in the middle country, like somewhere, somewhere else and, and, um, and I hope that I will be able to come back in uh, 10 April. I have ticket, uh, um, return ticket to 10 April. April. Of course, Damien is sad. <laughs> He's not happy about that. <laughs> but I hope that we, uh, we go through that and uh, I will be able to come back. I, let's hope that. Yeah. It's a big step. <clears throat> it's a big step to go. Yeah. 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 You you may not, for those of you that don't understand, Damien and Eva are in Eva are in the uh, green card process. And so she's very concerned about whether she'll be allowed back in the country with her leaving before the green card is approved. And then, of course, there are the COVID issues as well with going and coming from one country to another. So she really needs their prayer that this will go smoothly. That's part of Damien's concern is that his wife won't be able to get back in the country. That's right. He's worried that I will be not able to come back and he will be here alone. <laughs> but tell Damien to come see us while you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he will be happy. <laughs> I wanted to say something to Eva. Uh, Bill and I had found there's a song called The Blessing that's going around the world in different languages. And Bill and I were able to find it in Polish. And so I sent it to you in an email. You might not recognize who Julie King is, but that's me. And we sent it to you in Polish so that you could be blessed and encouraged by, and also share it with your family that they would be, be blessed too. And so when you see, check your email, it says Julie King, that's, that's me. Thank you very much, Julie. I recognize you. And I even before 
um, before meeting, I just uh, opened that email and hear, heard that. Thank you very much. I was surprised that was in Polish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, I also wanted to talk about this afternoon to remind us all that we have a shower. I guess you call it a blessing and prayer shower for Amanda and Viani at three o'clock. So when, when we have this, don't be shy. Don't sit around like we're doing now and nobody wants, not anybody wants to share. Just go right ahead because I know even if you only have 30 minutes that you can stay on, go ahead and offer a words of encouragement or a prayer. And especially you men for Vianney becoming a father. And I just hope that it'll be a, a blessing to them if, if we could do that. And um, one other thing was, I'm going to ask, I've asked Amanda and her sister if we could do this, but Amanda's sister had had a family Zoom meeting and they all put things in the chat box of blessings that they wanted to speak to Caroline as if they were writing to Caroline, the babies, the baby's name is Caroline. And so I thought if we could do that too, and we get them to print that off and put that in the little notebook too, that that would be a blessing also from our church family to Amanda and Viani. And so if you are um, already thinking about something you would like to lead in prayer or some words of encouragement or words of parenting, that we could do that today. Three o'clock, and Bill has set it up where it's the same link that we have for Sunday morning. It's the very same link, so. Who would like to pray? So this is not going to happen with Amanda and Biani, right? <laughs> People are preferring one another. <laughs> you all learn to prefer others. Uh, so I'll just call on uh, somebody, but anybody volunteer? I'd love to. I know Camille wants to. I do. <laughs> yeah, I know Camille is chomping at the bit, ready to pray. So why don't we have Camille start and Preston finish? All right. All right. Jesus, I want to lift Ava to you and Lord, you see the big picture. You know what a difficult decision this is. And you know that it's a real step of faith for Damien and Ava to make this decision. <clears throat> Lord, we place it in your hands. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just make a way for them, that you would do a miracle, Lord, that as Ava goes to help her mom, Jesus, that you will make a way for her to come back. Lord, we pray your protection over her against COVID. We pray that you would give her grace and strength to minister to her mom. We pray, Lord, for the, as, as Damien and Avery are separated, Lord, that you would strengthen both of them, Lord, and that you would give them good communication, even though it will be online. We pray, Father, for your touch upon Ava's mother. And we just trust you, Lord, as she takes this step of faith, that, Lord, you will bring her back safely and you will bring her back, Lord, without any problems. Lord, we just look to you for this, Father, and put it into your hands in the name of Jesus. Let her go with confidence, Lord, knowing that you are with her and that you are the way maker in Jesus' name. Father, we ask, too, that um, you would be gracious to us as a body, that um, you would remind us by the power of your spirit, these things that Camille has prayed, 
that we might just repeat them and remind you, Father, that your strong right arm would carry Ava there and back. Father, your word says that you, you watch over our coming in and our going out. And so we, we ask that you would do that, Father. As she leaves here, there would be uh, confidence and grace and just confirming things that would happen, Father, to confirm that on her travels out of the United States that you will surely bring her back, Father. Yes. And we thank you, Father, that uh, we can support her and Damien through our prayers, Father, that it's just not a hope, but Lord, there you take our words and you use them, Father, and we just thank you that we can be a part of, of this ministry to her mother. We pray, Father, that it would just be a, a sweet, sweet time for them, Lord, that you would be so confirmed the timing for Ava to be there. And we just pray for that grace for them, Damien and Eva, as they're apart, Father, that you would even, even more so knit their hearts together for the purposes that you've called them to. And we thank you, Father, for being with us today. Lord, just to, to see every day the grace that you pour out upon your people. And Lord, that we would just continue to come to you empty on Sunday, but also full of praise for you. And I just really ask, Father, that we continue to, to look up unto you uh, in these days that we find ourselves. Bless your people. Encourage us. Prepare us, Father, for the coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Ava, I have an impression for you. You know the story of the Bible where uh, Jesus was in the boat with, you know, the disciples were in a boat and there was a big storm and Jesus came walking on the water and, and um, Peter, you know, got out of the boat, which was a big risk, you know, and of course people always say, yeah, but he started to sink. Well, he was the only one that got out of the boat. <laughs> and when he started to sink, he said, oh Lord, help me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and helped Peter. So as you take this, this step of faith, Jesus is with you. And if you ever, if you start to get nervous or things start to, you know, the circumstances start to look difficult, just say, oh, Jesus, help me. He is right there to walk with you through this situation. Mm -hmm. So when he calls us to step out of the boat, he is right there with us. Mm -hmm. So go in faith, Ava, go in faith. Yeah. And let me add, Camille, because it triggers something. You're, you're going back as a different person than you've That's ever right. been before in Poland. Yep. The woman that left Poland is not returning to Poland. A new, a new, a new creature in Christ is going to Poland. Mm -hmm. Although you remember your past there, you are now a, a, a new person. Mm -hmm. um, and you will, you will, you will see things differently than you saw before when you were there. Yep. And you'll be equipped by the Holy Spirit to minister to your family and to your friends that you see. Amen. So, um, Rejoice in what God's providing you there, and let's trust Him on everything on your about your return. Thank you, everyone, for words of encouragement yeah. and and pray. That's yeah. very important. And yeah. I feel the same way. I feel like I don't want to let my my heart be in trouble, <laughs> troubled. <laughs> like I don't want to fear fear because I know that is big risky, but also I feel like I, I should do that. And I, I have to have faith yeah. <laughs> that if it is my place that, you know, like that Jesus lets me when he wants me to be. 
Mm-hmm. And let me let me ask Kalina, <clears throat> because Kalina has done this before. She leaves her husband, she goes to Russia, and she spends months with her mother. Similar story. Um, Galena, what encouragement would you have for Eva? What in- <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank you again, everything, for being with me, <laughs> with us, all of us. We love y'all. We will pray. Bye. Thank you, Amy. Hello, Henry. God bless. See you. Bye, John. Bye. Thanks for your message, Greg. It was excellent. Well, thank you, Wendy. God bless everyone. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye, Preston. Bye. See you later. Bye. See you all at three. Bye. Love you guys. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.